Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to Deja Vu. No, it's another edition of Roll Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. Great discussions that uh, will need to be recreated. Amanda Radke is part of that coming to us from Mitchell, South Dakota. And how lucky I got recharged. I got to see her this week. And the entire family, like the Skunk family, was in tow at Keystone, South Dakota. Yeah, we're we're beefing, Trent, because you called me a skunk, a mama skunk. I called skunk. you a mama skunk because last think- week that mama skunk come at me because her youngins were threatened. Yeah, that, then I am a mama skunk. I've been called a mama bear, a mama cow, but mama skunk, that's a new one. But that skunk was going to eat you alive, so that's what I'm going to do here today. <laughs> that, that was actually pretty funny. My eyes did get a little bigger up. I'm out in my, for those that didn't see it, I'm out in my pasture and uh, I've got this skunk that's been showing up the last couple of days. Well, I haven't shown up for the last couple of days. And uh, I was putting up a polywire in my cow rotation of the pastures and she had her youngins. I think she had five though. And she suddenly felt threatened by him and she started charging right at me. I mean, a little 12 pound skunk comes at this 225 pound guy like nothing flat. So you remind me of that. You weigh about 12 pounds in retrospect. <laughs> there you well, go, see. Yeah. <laughs> Mumbling in the back, like, what in the world did I get into here? Coming to us from somewhere along the ocean in Oregon. What are you going to say, Amanda? I invited the Papa Skunk to the show because he's fighting for his kids pretty hard and their future in agriculture. So I, I recognized a like mind. I don't even know if he's here anymore. Uh, I'm well, back uh, again. Well, he disappeared for a little bit, but Derek Josie's back. How are you, Derek? <laughs> I am good. Like I said, technology is going to be the death of us. That's that's the theme for this show today. Yeah, you uh, think you <laughs> I think so. Well, well, you know, it's actually a good thing that you checked out there for a moment because Amanda just called you a Papa Skunk as I walked through this Mama Skunk thing. But here's what I've never seen. I've never seen the sire of the skunk youngins in the field. I think the sire does his thing and leaves and never raises part of raising the kids. So I, I, that's not Derek Josie. Oh, no, no, that's definitely not me. No. <laughs> All the men in the wild just ditch their kids and run and leave it to the moms. But you know, on this fight to protect agriculture, I will say women are kind of a lot more active and vocal on social no. media with the no, ex- no, no, no. Oh, I disagree with you. Not kind of. They are the are active yeah. ones. We're just trying to. Get I would say, uh, I would say, in all aspects of life, right now, a lot of men have just kind of let the women have to deal with it. Which so, God bless them because they're they're you guys are doing a great job, but there needs to be some guys that step up. But that's a uh, society in general that. I think well, it's outside Derek, my perfume. Derek, I think that's why I respect you is because you're out there like leading the charge and you're talking about how you're fighting for your kids and their future in agriculture. And you, you show up every day to, to show people the good, the bad, the ugly, the family moments, the cattle, the, you know, the, the challenges that you're going through and you're, you are putting um, that masculine energy pouring it into fighting the good fight also because you've recognized that 
maybe other people can't quite fight as hard as you can because they don't have skin in the game. Uh, so I think that's I'm I'm a fangirl for a long time because because you are leading it and you're you're setting the tone for how it should look to uh, speak up and share your story in agriculture. Well, thank you. I'll take the compliment. Uh, but I just you know I I don't know that I feel like I'm really fighting all that hard. All I'm doing is showing my life, and just by showing the real online it combats a lot of the misinformation because people, you know, they get to know me, they get to know my family and they realize, well, this is just a normal guy with a family who happens to be surrounded by 500 dairy cattle. Um, He's no different than us. He just has a different uh, outlook on life because of what he does for a living. It, It allows people to connect Right. Which we are definitely missing in this world. Well, there, there's one other thing, Derek, that, that sets you apart. And I, I'm now in this for 22 years. And in 22 years, what I've dealt with, and particularly I, I started by taking on the animal rights community. I went to animal rights conventions. I wanted to understand and know how these people think. And for a couple of years, the first couple of years, I would get letters from emails from Jeffrey R. Kerr, legal counsel for PETA, threatening to take legal action against me if I didn't to do this or that. And I'd respond the same way every time, duly noted, and do nothing different. And Derek, in those 22 years, you're like the only other dude that I've seen that in an animal agricultural world, because there's the Bruce Vincents of the world, and there are pioneers in every part of this, but very few men who are willing to say, come on. When somebody comes at you with a challenge, you use it to show how stupid they are and that the only thing they have working in their favor is the intended fear. And if you're going to cave to that little threat, then you don't deserve to be there to begin with. But you're the one who stood up and said, hey, here's the truth. Come and take me on. Absolutely. And and by doing that, I've allowed. So, Dan, Iowa dairy farmer is another dairy farmer that is in the same mode I am where he's just like in your face. No, this is how it really is. And so it takes somebody to start doing it for others. to realize, Hey, all right, if he can do it, we can too. Mm -hmm. And the other side of it is you have to show, like I showed, I had a crazy lady. I, I assume she was a lady. Uh, last week that <laughs> just from Oregon, she was probably both. Never, I don't. Never. Yeah, well, because her profile wasn't actually her picture, and you know all that. But the way, and I shouldn't assume, but the way she was acting, she was off her rocker, and I, I'm pretty sure female. But she was accusing me uh, that my cows chew off their calves' tails as soon as they're born, so that I can't grab the calf by the tail and steal it from the cow and i just <laughs> i did a whole video uh, right as a cow calved calf has a tail and then i walk around and show all the cows in this barn all having tails still and i'm just like cows don't have front upper incisors they can't bite off a tail to begin with <laughs> this is so stupid i can't believe i have to and it it, it blew up i'm pretty sure it's over 2 million views now and but that set off in motion she just 
in my DMs just attacking, saying all the horrible things about me. And I, I showed my DMs to people because they need to understand this is what you deal with. And it's okay to just laugh about it and be like, all right, crazy person, goodbye. My, my favorite personal interaction was when uh, I was working with Seth Dalton at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, and we were putting the cow back into the Cow Palace. And we had the uh, Great Western Rodeo taking place. And they had on the line, on the, the property, they had places where protesters could be because they have enough protesters that they just tell them where to go. So when the protesters showed up, I went out there and I, I confronted this guy, not in a confrontational way, but I engaged in conversation with him. And he was videoing me, and they're trying to video me doing something egregious, right? Losing my cool or another cowboy just, you know, wanting to fight. Well, I was videoing them. So it was like dueling videos. And I captured this guy on tape saying that they were there speaking for the bulls and that the bulls were losing their emotions and their their interpersonal (laughs) feelings because he heard the announcer say, oh, this bull defecated all over himself. And the announcer said, oh, look, he brought his own guacamole with him. Now, how do you think that bull felt after he heard that announcer say that? (laughs) And all I did was record this guy saying something so stupid that made him look like what he really was. And then you just you, you immediately, by taking them on and allowing them to show their ignorance, you win. Did you let him know that they don't speak English? I did. I did. But he, you know, he, he was genetically modified, as most of them are. They don't have ears. So they're hearing impaired. Derek Josie, Amanda Radke, we are going to take a break. We're off and running, ready to bring out this week of Independence Day 2022. More roll out after this. Let's talk about the beef business for a while, and we'll talk about certified Piedmontese. Andrew Henderson, you know Andrew, Actually, next week, he's going to come to us from the Piedmont region of Italy. That's exactly where these Piedmontese cattle originate. But the people like Jerry Hofer and Lone Creek Cattle Company have what we call Americanized them. That means that they calve easy, they perform well, and they get you more money. That's the bottom line. Are you getting paid enough for the products that you produce? That's a conversation that we will ultimately have here today with Jerry and Amanda. But Lone Creek has created that opportunity for the beef producers of the Great Plains of America. Get more details about what it means to be a supplier for certified Piedmontese, and you do that by going to the website, LoneCreekCattleCo.com. And if you really want to see how to be innovative in marketing beef, do anything on social media. Whatever your social media platform you like, go to just search certified Piedmontese, and you'll see how progressive and innovative the marketing aspect is and why we need more producers to be a part of the supply chain. LoneCreekCalico.com Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce alongside Amanda Vecchi, Derek Josie joining us from his dairy, Telemuc, Oregon. His beautiful Jersey cows. I'm going to get a Jersey cow next week, Derek. You should, just so you know how rambunctious and smart they are um you'll curse them but they multiply so fast that pretty soon you'll have nothing but jerseys well if i get one i'll have nothing but jerseys that'll be a true statement yeah but they have the (laughs) cutest eyelashes of all dairy cows yeah you should see my my makeup bill for these girls (laughs) (laughs) but yes they are the Derek. Go ahead. I just say, tell us briefly about your farm and what you guys are doing over there. 
Yeah, so I am fourth generation. We've been here 104 years. Um, my great-grandpa actually helped consolidate all the little dairy uh, cheese makers here in Tillamook into what is now known as the Tillamook County Creamery Association. So we've been here basically since the inception of what is now known as Tillamook. It is a farmer-owned co-op with a national presence. We do basically all dairy products except for fluid milk. Um, here on farm, we are in the middle of building all new facilities, and we will be milking 1,200 of these little brown cows this fall. Because yep. I don't have enough on my plate. Why in the world would you do an expansion in today's economic climate? Are, are you nuts? Uh, yeah, well, I've been called worse. Uh, in 2021, when we decided it was the right time, we locked in all our prices, and it, we weren't having quite the supply chain issues we are now. But on the flip side, if I were to try and do it now, all the prices of the price to build these facilities would be 35 to 40 percent more, and I wouldn't be able to afford them. So, hindsight, yeah, a little crazy to think this would be a fun time to do it. But if I hadn't done it, we wouldn't be able to do it. So. The, the saying is always, there's never the right time. The right time is always when you think it's time. It yeah. is time. Yeah. But from 500 to 1,200, that's a significant increase. Yes. Yes, it is. But with the new facilities, we'll have mo a much more modern facility, and I will be able to do it all with, I, we think we'll need one more employee. So Robots? Uh, a rotary with one robot. Uh, there's going to be a viewing platform, and in five years I'll be building my visitor center because the new facilities sit right on the major artery from Portland to the Oregon coast. So I am going to not only educate or show my life online, I am going to invite everybody to come see the facilities and learn about the dairy industry firsthand so, so, so much for out of sight out of mind yeah well no they'll be able to see cows from the highways they drive by it's wow. you want to talk about open uh and honest farming there's no mm -hmm. there'll be no hiding so well, at, at a time where people are flocking to more friendly political states how confident <laughs> are you in the future of animal agriculture in oregon uh, you know, Oregon itself is a, is a great agricultural state. We just happen to have some people that are out of touch in the major cities that put forth ballot initiatives like IP 13, which they didn't get the signatures for, but would outlaw animal agriculture in the state. Um, am I confident in my ability to continue to farm here? Yes, I am. I just think that we need to continue to reach out into the urban and suburban areas and make sure that we, as rural farmland in Oregon, aren't on our own dealing with these idiots. I'm just going to go out and say it. The idiots that try and push this, these idiotic initiatives. 
So tell us about that IP13, because that's when I really started to pay attention to your posts because you were kind of leading the charge in, hey, this is coming and this is going to put us out of business and we've got to fight back. We've got to push. Yeah, I covered it extensively uh, last year and into the fall when they were trying to, or actually it was all the way into the spring. They had to get like 100,000 signatures or something like that. And I wanted to make sure I could do my part to say, hey, this is kind of deceptive. They label it as good for animals when it really is just a Trojan horse to destroy animal agriculture in Oregon. And it's going to make it more difficult and more expensive for you, the general population, to be able to feed your family. So you might want to pay attention. And we actually got, we had an early win when they decided they couldn't label the ballot the way they initially wanted to, and they had to actually explain to people that this uh, was going to cause animal agriculture to basically be illegal. It was, it was, it was much like the Arizona one where it was going to outlaw things like AI and it was worded vaguely enough that a lot of veterinarians weren't sure if they'd be able to preg check cows or assist in calvings because it, if it wasn't for the benefit of the animal and it would have made it so that my kids, and this is the, this is the thing that is the most insidious to me because it would have made it so farm kids couldn't be around the farm for fear that you were going to get charged with child abuse because they'd be seeing standard animal husbandry practices that are now outlawed and that's felony child abuse, which doesn't allow us to teach the next generation the common sense animal husbandry and you would lose a whole generation of the next generation of farmers and ranchers. And that is really an insidious way of destroying the community. Uh, I just want to add, Derek, that that was a Colorado initiative. So the oh, Colorado sure. listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. And, and, and the biggest, the language was very similar because I read both in the Colorado initiative and in the Oregon initiative, the, the language is very similar with the exception Colorado said that uh, the animal had to live 25% of its natural life. And, for example, they deemed a cow to be a 20-year-old animal. So you couldn't harvest a steer until it was five years of age. Oregon language said that the animal had to die a natural death before yes, you could consume it. Before you could consume it. But, but you, I agree 100%. The, the thing that really got people, that should be, get people's attention is all of the sexual criminal acts that you could be charged with for normal animal husbandry mm-hmm. and both bills, both, both initiatives and both of them are on pause at the moment. And for our Colorado listeners, you can't just let this go. You, you have to stay on in tune with this because they're going to bring it back. They're going to try to run at it another way. And Derek, the biggest education I've had in the last two years is, as I started my entire media, whatever I do in media, because of the animal rights community, I thought it was about they're trying to protect the animals. When in fact, I now know and see that it was all about putting the, the human at a greater vulnerability by eliminating milk, meat, and eggs from our diet. It's that yeah, simple. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And taking producers off the land too. Um, I was in Colorado at the Livestock Association's meeting when the Pause Act came out. And, you know, when I'm slated to speak on advocacy, usually people, ch- well, half of them tune out because they're like, I'm not going to make a TikTok or whatever. Don't see the value of it. But that day, what impressed upon me was that every person in that room, from the largest feedlot owners in the country to the mom and pops that sell beef at the Denver Farmer's Market, we're all asking the same thing. Like, how do we fight back? And and I always tell people, we just can't wait until our backs are totally against the wall before we realize the importance of getting out and connecting with the voting public. Because it's the mom, the soccer mom at Starbucks in the big city who is ultimately going to the vo- voting booth and deciding how we get to run our businesses. And if there's an emotional appeal to improve animals' lives, they're going to vote yes without understanding the consequences of, of what those ballot initiatives actually do. But we have commodity organizations that are representing us and we're members of them, so it's all taking care of itself. That'll be the theme when we come back or not. Second half of Raw Route, just ahead. Derek Josie and Amanda Recky. I'm trying to lose more after this. Certainly appreciate the support of the Wall of Honor for our event this week in Keystone, Bridging America. It's how we unite in the name of food security. And a large contributor to making that happen was the Wall of Honor. Now, he did that. They did that because I found this presentation, this display of respect and honor on a wall inside of a restaurant. And I want more information about how to get involved with this. And so you, once you see it, will want to get involved, maybe donate, but certainly submit a loved one. Go to wallofhonor.org, wallofhonor.org. It's all about saying thank you to those men and women who've been there to protect our freedom for 247 years. Wallofhonor.org. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce alongside Amanda Radke in Mitchell, South Dakota, Derek Josie, somewhere along the coast of Oregon. Um, the organizations, the first time, Amanda, I want to put this in a beef context, and then I've had plenty of experiences with the dairy organization. And there was one point in time when I spoke for dairy more than any other commodity group. I went to California 14 times one year, same year I went to Wisconsin. And so I really learned the dairy business. I always wanted to be a dairyman, but never did it. And the more I learned, the more, I mean, just to put that into context, we don't have much money in the beef business. Our beef checkoff, $80 million dollars. Dairy checkoff is $365 million if you count the processors. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is a fairly sizable chunk. And yet the dairy image continues to spiral downward. Dairy consumption of fluid milk is in the tank instead of in the human body where it should be. You go to into a restaurant in most places and you ask for whole milk, they look at you like you got two heads. And I'm or like, they'll bring it with eyes. <laughs> you know so what i do just to make a point sometimes derek no we have two percent i said well okay bring me the two percent and cream and i put it i make it right there and they're like oh my god what are you doing i'm like what's what's wrong with you whole milk consumption is the only way to live a healthy life you decrease your cravings your hunger and Mm -hmm. there's so many concepts behind the dairy consumption that people don't understand and and I didn't pay a dollar in dairy checkoff, 
But at $365 million, we ought to have a better understanding. You, you agree with me any of that? Yeah, no, I agree. I think I have a very good relationship with my Oregon checkoff, and they they are very supportive of what I do. And there is a few people at the national checkoff that I have a great relationship with. But in general, I think I think top-down organizations lose focus, and it needs to be closer to the ground level. Um, that's why I love my the ability to reach out to my Oregon checkoff. And they're going to do some videos with me this fall. They're going to do a bunch of stuff. But, yeah, there is a lot, a lot of money, and it doesn't seem to – do a lot, and and one of the pet peeves I always have is they tell all of us that we need to be telling our story online, doing all this stuff, but they really don't support the farmers that are doing it online. Uh, there's there's a few key people at the national level, like Don Schindler, who has always been great. He's accessible, but I reached. 217 million people last year. Mm-hmm. And they, I have not, I have not had any real concrete help from my national checkoff whatsoever. You're a threat. Uh, that's why. Yeah. I, I, a lot of the times I wonder if the status quo is what a lot of our organizations prefer, because if problems got solved, Maybe we wouldn't need them. And then they might actually have to find one. Well, this, is, this is the same scenario in every commodity. The people who are, particularly those that are in D.C., they're only there for job security. They're not there working for the members who pay the bills. And, and by you t- touching 200 or 2 million people, how many 217 million people? 217 million people. And you didn't have a, a million dollars in checkoff money to do it. You did it with initiative no. and desire. Yeah. You, sh- you have shown what can be done. So consequently, you're a threat to their existence. I'm talking about the individuals who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing and getting paid. But I would also argue, just to play devil's advocate here, that a lot of the people that say, you know, we need to get rid of the checkoff aren't actually willing to go out and do the work themselves either. So, I agree. So, yeah. 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 And, and maybe they're not there. It's not their skill set either. So I think there's tools and resources that can be used for the producer. Um, I, you know, I have a great relationship with my South Dakota beef checkoff as well. And I think, yeah, the closer it gets to the farmer, the more effective it is. The, the closer it gets to the top, the maybe the more frustrated I get, or, you know, especially with some of the celebrities they pick to be our spokespeople, you know, and you think, uh, maybe, maybe didn't hit the mark there. Uh, Absolutely. But, yeah. It's like, okay, that wasn't, that wasn't even on the target. How did you choose them? That was like a hundred yep. yards off target. Yep. But I think right now people are so hungry for the truth and they want to hear direct from the farmer. Our, our story is way more interesting and appealing because it's kind of a novelty and they're very curious about it. And um, they're seeing, you know, bare shelves at the grocery store and prices are going up and they want answers and they want solutions. And the only people that can provide that are the producers themselves, period. Yes, I agree. Uh, and one of the things outside of checkoff, 
So it's the same with every organization. Our Oregon Farm Bureau, they just went to bat. They did a good job this last legislative session. I don't know what the National Farm Bureau does for me, honestly. They uh, they seem to just be in Washington, D.C. But what I see that is really annoying to me is they fund these other organizations. They donate to these 501c3 organizations with our money. And these other organizations partner with people that are literally trying to shut us down or change the way we do things. They go to these large-scale events like the World Economic Forum, and they call us, what was it, the Eco, uh, oh, gosh, the Eco Workforce of the Future. Yeah. That was, nobody asked me to be the Eco Workforce for the future, especially not for uh, groups like that. Um, and so you see our money funneled into other organizations that are not, are not friends that they say that they are. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating to me. But that's so that you can continue to have a social license to feed people, Derek. Don't you understand? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and an well, ESG well, score. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, that's why why I wanted to talk to you, Derek, is because you said something on Twitter yesterday that it it's the thing that fires me up the most right now about what's going on with our organizations, because we seem to be willing to negotiate with people who actually don't want us to exist at all. And we might give them an inch and they're going to take a mile until we don't exist. And that is in the topic of sustainability and climate change. Uh, it was yeah. 10 years ago I was at an event and there was a speaker at an egg meeting that talked about the red hot lie of climate change and what was coming. And it was just an absolute fire speech. And now 10 years later, every egg organization, it's all they can talk about is sustainability. And what you tweeted yesterday, you said the agriculture policies being pushed in the name of climate change will destroy small farms consolidate farms and destroy food choices for consumers. The groups that are supposed to represent us have surrendered and are now undermining things from within. You nailed it right on the head. And yeah, I was so fired up. I said, Trent, I got a guy coming on the show. We're going to blow the whole thing up. So <laughs> I'd love to hear a little bit more of your take and what prompted you to to tweet that. Well, I was just following what's going on over in Holland, the Netherlands, and what's going on with the Wales farmers, which I... I spelled Wales wrong on Twitter and there's no edit button. So that was annoying. Um, in Wales, uh, their government just announced that 10% of all their farmland is going to be reforested or taken and planted in trees. And from what I saw, it doesn't uh, incorporate any, you know, forest land or trees that they already have. So it's 10% more of their land just gone. Because government decided that that is what they should do in the name of combating climate change, even though most of that is probably pasture land that is already sequestering carbon. Or in the Netherlands, where they've decided that they're going to cut the fertilizer in half for farmers and uh, regulate their emissions to the point where farms are probably going to have to cut back 50 to 70 percent in some cases on their livestock. And that is a huge dairy area in the Netherlands. It, that's 
the brain power that is in government that is pushing these policies, especially in a time where we already have food insecurity, is just mind-boggling. And our organizations, uh, like the farmers, farmers uh, organization in Wales, that is basically just deciding, well, you should look at it as a good good thing because you're only having to give up one arm and not not an arm and a leg. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead of fighting to keep let you keep all your limbs, they're like, "Oh, you know, we we negotiated. You only have to give up one limb." Right. It's just insane. Derek, six months ago, they announced in Ireland. They announced in Ireland is a great dairy state. It's a great sheep yes. uh, nation. It's a great dairy nation, and they announced that they're going to have to reduce thirty percent of their animal inventory to meet the climate change goals and i reached out right away because i have tons of friends in ireland i've been to ireland i've been on farms and i I just i communicate with people in ireland on the farm community every week and they're like i I said what what are you going to do about this well that's i guess it's you know just like you said well at least we're just giving up one arm and it's for the better of the climate we've been sold this climate change bovine fecal matter so long that we are buying into it and and that's Mm -hmm. the real danger of the concept and the biggest thing happening in the United States that I just chastise them and won't stop is the ethanol industry has been told that they need to be a part of this carbon sequestration, carbon burying project, or they're not going to continue to be, their ESG score is not going to be allowing them to continue to produce ethanol. And I've had ethanol executives say, Trent, we're doing the wrong thing, but we won't be in existence if we don't do it. So we're taking plant food, CO2, carbon dioxide, which is plant food. We're putting it in the ground one mile deep in North Dakota and convincing people that this is good for anybody. Mm-hmm. All it does is decrease the number of plants that grow. The fewer plants that grow, the less animals and humans you have. It's de- destroying the true environmental sustainability. Yeah. I don't understand why we've gotten... My my fault. Derek Josie, you will start when we come back and you'll say, I don't understand when Roll Rock continues and concludes after this. Today, I want to remind you about Dr. Nathan Bryan and how he proposes the true cure is nitric oxide, NO2U.com. Put Trend as your coupon code and you get preferential treatment. That means you pay no shipping. You might even get a free bottle, but for sure you get a 10% discount and no shipping. Nitric oxide has been demonized like milk, meat, and eggs that we're talking about here today. But the truth of the matter is that you need to build your nitric oxide levels. Nitrates are key to healthy living, particularly in blood flow, in clear thinking, in oxygenization of your body, and the heart. I mean, it's about the heart and the immune system. What else matters? NO2U.com. Trent is your coupon code. Welcome back. Final segment. Amanda Radke brought us a good one today. Derek Josie back on a roll route. It's been far too long. All right. I had to cut you off rudely. And you were saying, I don't understand, Derek. Yeah. See, I don't understand where sustainability got laser focused onto methane and carbon. It's, It's like tunnel vision. And we're... In, especially in the dairy industry, we're so geared towards, oh, we've got to deal with our methane. When we have the science that, you know, says that the cows today are not increasing the methane in the atmosphere because it's a cycle, 
a natural cycle, yet we are the ones that have to deal with it instead of, you know, they, I just saw an article a week ago. There's a mine in Russia that is emitting almost as much methane every year as all the dairy cattle in the United States. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, people. And, and yet it's... And, the, and, and by Cows. the way, methane and carbon dioxide are essential elements. They're not a toxic pollutant. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it, it, we're, we're willing to negotiate here when we they have everything to gain and we have everything to lose. And I've been telling folks, mm-hmm. it's time we celebrate the environmental achievements that we we have employed and implemented for generations upon generations. Our sustainability story is in proof that multiple generations work the same land year after year and produce more beef and dairy than ever before on that same land. And, and yeah. we're not, we're not even calculating in the fact that it, there should be a factor in of how many people you're feeding because apparently starvation isn't coming into play here. And I, I've told people, this is like the hill I die on because um, you know, food security is national security. And what I'm seeing here is this is ultimately attack on private property owners and it's attack on the people who are feeding the world. And, you know, he who controls the land controls the food and who controls the food controls the people. So I truly believe it's the farmers and ranchers maintaining that private property and saying we're not going to negotiate who are ultimately going to make sure that we don't starve. That's my soapbox for the day. Absolutely. Yeah, because sustainability. I've been on this. We've been on the same property for 104 years. Our our streams are cleaner today than they were 40 years ago. My family has been fishing, swimming, working this land for over a century. And I'm making moves that will make it so that my grandkids, 100 years from now, will still be working this land. That is sustainability in a nutshell. Being able to continually work the land for generations upon generations. Yes. Yet everywhere I go, people are like, oh, but they're going to pay us. They're going to pay us to do cover crops and they're going to pay us to do rotational grazing and they're going to pay us to capture our carbon. And, and, and to me, it's like, okay, what did I see on Twitter? Someone wrote, it's like paying the C student who hasn't been doing any of this stuff and all of a sudden jumps in to do it. But the guys who've been doing it for a hundred years, they either have to lie and pretend they just started or they don't get rewarded at all for just good common sense practices. And uh, I know that early money looks really tempting, but what it's going to lead to is just mandatory, mandatory requirements placed on mm-hmm. every small farm and to the point that it puts us out of existence. Yeah. So I have a great story because uh, for this is for the C students that, are just jumping in, and those of us yeah. that have been doing yeah. it right. In Oregon, they, you know, they did this greenhouse, not this green energy initiative, right? Uh, they wanted seventy percent, I think that was the number of all our energy to be green energy. Well, they didn't allow the green energy that we are already using to be calculated in it. So this bill had it so all our hydroelectric dams were not figured into the green energy. So it's the same concept for all of us farmers that have been doing it for decades and centuries and the land has continued to be the way it has been. We aren't going to get any credit. It's going to be 
the C students that decided, oh, now they're going to pay us to work the land correctly. Okay, now we'll do it that way. While the rest of us are the hydroelectric dams that have been churning out cheap, reliable green energy for 50 years. Amanda, our friend Kim Rimmer in Wisconsin, who's a dairyman, dairy woman, who's been working with dairymen and the dairy industry forever, she's been bringing us up to speed on this very concept. And there are dairymen right now trying to prove how poorly they do at carbon sequestration and emissions so that they qualify. Because if you're doing a good job, you don't qualify for these government payments. Exactly. How screwed up is this? And furthermore, it's the government payments that are the problem. If we don't get rid of all subsidies, we will be peasants working for the state. But you know, like, uh, uh, yeah, oh, one more ahead. thing. Oh, there is no standard for carbon sequestration. There is no set standard. This is basically uh, uh, indulgences, like back yep. in the day, yep. where the rich companies can buy these indulgences from the poor peasant farmer who's going to sell them for pennies on the dollar. Some middleman's going to make a lot of money on these carbon credits that there is no set standard for. And the companies will get to look at the consumers and go, well, yeah, we are carbon neutral because we have bought enough carbons to offset our production while they continue to admit and pollute the world unabatedly. It, it's it's the greatest Ponzi scheme since the housing crash of 2008. 100%. It's, it's insane. You know, I use I, that word you know, a lot. I, I was I was at a, uh, the South Dakota Governor's Egg Summit, and the final speaker of the day was from, he worked on the Trump administration, and he told me, you know, everybody believes in climate change, and everybody believes that we need to do something about it. So unfortunately, we're just going to have to um, make some laws and, and legislate some things to appease the general public. Well, I would equate that to, well, everybody has a conspiracy theory about why those cattle died in Canada. <laughs> Kansas in the heat waves, so we're going to have to put all the cows in air conditioning because, well, that's the only thing that the people will accept. Like, when does our legislation uh, rely on mob rule and just the hysteria and emotional charge of people instead of the truth, the science, and the common sense? And unfortunately... I've got news for you. It's been that way for a long time. It's finally gotten egregious enough that we've paid attention. Yeah, it has. And that's yeah. the thing. You can distort science to justify your means. And I think it's quite clear that meat, dairy, and eggs are number one target, despite the evidence that it is not only benefit to keep ruminant animals on the land, but the nutrient-dense products that we get from these animals, uh, is there's no comparison to any other food source. Absolutely. And, and the other thing I just love, they'll take one nutrient, for example, milk. They'll take, they'll compare the protein in milk to other plant-based products and say, on protein basis, it, milk has a higher carbon footprint than X product. Okay, mm-hmm. but what about all the other essential nutrients that are in milk that aren't in that other one? You've got to take the full product. You can't look at and pick and choose because. 
it is milk, meat, dairy, most the most nutrient dense foods you can consume. And we don't look at the full picture. Yeah, you left eggs out. Milk, meat, and eggs. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, said dairy twice. Here. I'm a dairy farmer. I got to throw it in more than once. I know, you know? I know. I just no keeping it straight. Here, Trent, we're cow what? people. There's no yeah. chicken. Hey, here. I'm I'm a cow people too, but I start every morning the same way: whole milk, bacon, and eggs, and then beef comes later in the day twice. Okay. So you're basically a carnivore. Uh, no, I can't say that because I'm <laughs> I, I, I'm a potato yeah, guy. Okay. And and cream cheese danishes. They're my they're kryptonite for me. <laughs> uh, Derek, we're in final two minute warning. What uh, we've identified a lot of problems. Amanda and I always want to generate solutions. We've talked about some of the potential solutions, but how do we turn the ship around? Honestly, I think it is turning around because enough of us are talking about it now, and everybody rails on social media. But it has allowed us to reconnect with the suburbanites and the urbanites in a way that we couldn't before. I mean, that's that's the reason somebody like me is able to reach 217 million people or other advocates that are online. There's there's a lot of us out there speaking about it. Um, a lot of them are a little more timid than I would like, but I get it. So I think we just keep communicating and explaining what's going on. And the general public, you look at poll after poll. I, I just saw one that came out and climate changes. 3% of people think that is a type, top priority. And, you know, the rest of us are like, uh, it's the economy. Idiots. Yeah. Well, Derek, we is, it time to, is it time to hook up the manure spreaders like our friends across the pond and head to town? Uh, you know, we did that in Oregon, uh, two years ago, I believe it was now. And, you know, if the legislature gets, uh, wild hair, we might end up back out there again. (laughs) I love it. Well, you're absolutely right. You cannot be timid. And uh, it comes back to fear. Too many people are living in fear. And and that's what uh, Amanda demonstrated with a guy who now works for a university that she was talking about former executive or former administrator in the Trump association. They, they're all based on fear. They're afraid mm-hmm. to do the right thing because either number one, they might offend somebody. Number two, they might get a lawsuit. And number three, well, we just have to keep everybody happy. The well, only way to keep people happy is to continue to provide the essentials of life that they can afford and keep their family fed, clothed and sheltered. And if you continue down this path of trying to make everybody happy, nobody will be happy. Amanda Racky, final word. I would add producers need to press upon their agricultural organizations that this is not the direction that they want to go and to quit making sustainability the number one topic on every agenda. Let's talk about things that matter, like keeping producers out on the land, helping them to be profitable, and helping them to feed the planet. Absolutely. Uh, final thing quickly, Derek, where do people find you for the 1.2 million that haven't yet? You can find me at TDF Honest Farming uh, on Facebook and Instagram. I'm at Derek Josie on Twitter. I also am TDF Honest Farming on uh, YouTube. And 
If that was confusing, just go to tdfhonestfarming.com and all the links are on my webpage. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. My thanks to Derek Josie, Amanda Recky, Trent Loose, all three reminding you all roads do lead to a roll route. Fully recorded. Don't forget to keep track of Amanda too at amandaradkey.com.